What's up, strength coaches? Welcome back to another episode of Finance Friday, where we change our name to Strength Coach Net Worth. And this is episode three. I have another former colleague, Kate Correa, on the show. Amit was on episode one. And Kate is on because Kate is a full-time strength coach, but also does personal training stuff on the side. And I... It sounds good to be like, oh, I'm going to be a strength coach and train for people on the side, but I don't think people understand how difficult that is. So, Kate, go ahead and introduce yourself and kind of share a little bit about your journey and, you know, how all of that works. Yeah. Um, so, I'm Kate. I currently work at VCU. I work with women's soccer and men's tennis. Um, I am a little late to the game when it comes to strength conditioning because I actually started um, in sales for a couple of years, decided to change my job, went back to school actually thought I was going to be an athletic trainer, then decided that blood and bones are gross. And um, I was, had a really good mentor who was like, you know what, you should be a strength coach. So um, got an internship at a private facility and then they, you know, just kind of took off from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, throughout, obviously being late to the game, we all know like you have to do free internships, you have to be a GA, you have to have your master's, the certification itself is super expensive, especially when you fail the test twice and have to repay for it. But, um, uh, but um, ultimately, right, like all of that led to me having to have like all these different types of jobs and trying to bring in income so that I can make this whole career work in the first place. So um, for a while I was doing in-person personal training and I just felt like I was spending an hour in the gym with somebody um, and I wasn't really making like enough of an impact for me um, on their day-to-day life or just everything. And I was like, okay, I need to be more involved in everything like nutrition, um, their full workout programs and like just helping them guide through that process because it's super easy to quit or not show up or whatever it is when you're, when it's just like one hour. Um, and when you're not seeing progress, like that is also really hard. So how do you get involved in that full picture so that you're just not like a body on the floor, if you will. Um, so I started diving into doing like online training and like you said, like it is so hard because finding the clients, that's where it has to start, right? Like how do you, it's not like you just have these people rolling in. We don't have athletes just walking in. (laughs) Yeah, people aren't like, oh my God, Kate, like, you know, you're good at what you do. I know you're good at what you do, but they're not just lining up like, hey, train me. Yeah, especially, I mean, like, and I'm sure we all feel this, right? Especially as strength coaches, like nobody understands our job or like what we do on a day-to-day basis. They're like, what do you mean? You just work in collegiate athletics, must be easy. Um, And you're like, yeah, sure. (laughs) Or like, why do you have to work every Saturday? I don't understand why you can't just take off. And like, um, (laughs) uh, so, you know they like know that you do these things, but they don't ever ask you for help. So like your friends and family are not the first place that you start, Um, at least in my experience. Like, and then if you think about the psychological part of that, your friends and family asking you for help, like they have to now admit to you that they Mm. need help, Yeah, you know? And not only that, but like, then they also have to like talk to you about like holding themselves accountable and feeling that almost like shame. That's what I had started to realize from friends and family is like Ooh. opening up to you is like tough. So then you're like, okay, now my pool is even smaller. Like where am I getting these people? <laughs> tell someone, tell me. Um, so yeah, so I started, you know, just like really diving into Instagram and just like figuring out what works and just hoping for the best. Um, 
And then at one point I was like, okay, I have a couple of clients here or there, you know, things were going well, but I didn't know how to like automate things or like, you know, when I got a lead or like, where did I start? How did I start talking to these people? So I figured out some stuff on the back end, decided to like when I have some now software in place where when I get people in, they automatically are getting text messages or emails every two days. And like, there's already an automatic scheduler um, that connects with my calendar. So I don't have to worry about moving things around all the time and, you know, things like that. So um, that was, is now where my business is currently, but getting there, right? Like you still have to have the income in order to get to that place. So um, I've been diving into posting on Instagram and hoping for the best, honestly. <laughs> I mean, for me being like, I had, I got late to the game because my undergrad was in criminal justice, but I didn't have a background in sales. So you at least had a leg up in that. I mean, you've got to consider that that is, if anything, it, it leveled the field back out. No, or it definitely helped you, right? Yeah, I think in general, having like a sales background definitely helps because you know like how to communicate with people in a certain way. But I think the unique thing that even put me in a different position when I was in sales is that I genuinely always have somebody's best interest in mind. Like I was that person that wouldn't sell to somebody if I didn't think that it was like the right fit for them. Um, or I would sell them like a lower package because like that was the right thing to do. And for me, I think that that actually in the short term doesn't offer a leg up, right? Because at the end of the day, like you're not making that quick cash flow, but in the long term, it really plays out for you because then night you have referrals coming in. Um, and it's just that long game of like people actually trusting what you have to say. Um, and then, you know, moving forward from there. So, and I, I feel that way with my current clients, like if there is, or even prospective clients, like if there's people that I don't feel like I can help, um, or you know can't afford my services like i will find a way to like make that work um and like you know with that like i am a power lifter but i don't think that i have the skill set to help somebody who wants to compete in a powerlifting meet i can make you strong but i don't have like that eye for specifically like what a squat or a bench or whatever like what that needs to look like for you know the long term of the sport um, so I would never take on a power lifter and like promise them that I could guide them through like a meet because like at my meets, I don't know what I'm doing. I stand there and I'm told what to do. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't even load. I'm not even allowed to load my own weight. <laughs> like, <laughs> so for anybody that is listening and they're like, okay, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to try it. Like based off what she said, how did you go about learning how to price things? Because hearing you talk about friends and family, they might also be reluctant because like, oh, come on, Kate, I know you. Like, come on, you ain't got to, like, don't got to charge me for this. Like, how did you overcome that barrier and how did you figure out how to charge? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I started, I was charging people like 50 bucks a month. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my just gosh. Just let me so, trade you, right? Yeah, like, just exactly. let me help you. Come on. Yeah. So um, one of the things, you know, I, I kept increasing my um, my prices and then – Something that somebody said to me once was take all of the time that you have spent getting your degrees, getting your certification, studying, um, and take all of that time and quantify that for like a price, if you will. So like how many hours did you put in like doing that? And what do you want your hourly rate to be? 
So something, so then you can figure out like, okay, if I want to spend, if I want X amount of hours and I spent that much money on my certifications, how many hours do I need to work at this hourly rate to get that in return? I don't, I'm hoping that makes sense. So that's what, that's one part of it. And then the next part of it is like, okay, now how many hours a week do you spend doing continuing education? Because for strength coaches, like we have a different caliber of education and the things that we do and the things that we're learning um, beyond like with um, listening to podcasts, reaching out to friends, you know, sitting in the room with colleagues and going over programs and, you know, all these things like we spend so much more time on continuing education than your personal trainer does. I mean, just like that's a fact. So, okay, how do you now quantify or um, yeah, quantify that time that you're spending? And like, yes, you are using that for your full-time job, but like, okay, so take 50% of those hours and you can now use that as well as a bank of time. And then the next thing would be figure out what your process is for your clients and like how much you're gonna offer them and figure out what like your return is. So whether you're using something like Team Builder or whether, you know, what are the things, the softwares that you have to use and how many clients, like basically take all of that and try to make a price that makes sense based on how many hours you're giving them and like the portion of the software that they're gonna be using um, would be another like avenue. So basically I just took all of these things and I was like, okay, I have one client. Here's how much like I'm gonna pour into them, and what my hourly rate would be. Um, especially if you're making changes every week, or they're t if you offer like, I have clients that text me and they're like, "Hey, this machine is being used, or it's broken, or whatever. Like, can, like, what can I do?" And I, I'll send them something right then and there, so long as I can, right? Because I'm a human. But um, like my level of support is super high, so for me, my price point has to match that. Um, and then also like if you are charging 50, 75, $125 a month, like quick break from the show to remind you to hit that like and subscribe button. It helps us out and it helps you be notified when we have new content get released. So again, please hit that like and subscribe button if you enjoy this content. And with that, let's get back to the show. you you might get people, but none of those people are actually going to do things. Mm. Mm -hmm. they're just gonna be like oh it's a hundred bucks like that's fine like oh yeah like I am paying for it but if I miss this workout I miss this workout or whatever and to be honest like that's so frustrating especially as strength coaches who mm -hmm. have a job where that's not an option our athletes don't have that option right no. so <laughs> um, you know for us like that self-discipline is so important so you need to price yourself at a point where you're returning on your investment of all your education, of your continuing education and all the all the work that you're going to put into these clients. <clears throat> you talked about having different, you know, sales for people that had, okay, you wouldn't sell them something that they didn't need back when you were doing that. And then now if somebody needs a lower price point, how did you tier your things out? And did you do that right away? Or was it like, hey, this is my core offering. And then eventually you progressed and regressed it like an exercise. Or did you just kind of jump out right the gate with that? I threw a lot of stuff at the wall at first. Um, I really did. Like I and was that's just what we're trying, trying to help people cut that line. Yeah. Like, hey, this is what you should do. Don't do that. Yeah. So I actually ended up working with a business coach who like more than anything is helping me with my content because I will say that like Instagram and content is like my biggest downfall. So for her, like 
she has definitely helped me a lot with that and I've priced myself at a point where I can afford her <laughs> you know with my clients um, so that's so when it comes to your offering I would say have a core offer have a core offer a core price like this is what you need you you want this many people at this core offer everything else is kind of gravy so I do have like a network um, and so I have like a couple personal trainers who will actually send me nutrition only clients right mm -hmm. because they're paying they the their clients are paying them for personal training but they're not helping with that nutrition piece so they send them to me so now I obviously have to tailor that offer to make that work because I can I can help these clients and I know what they're doing with that personal trainer so I made like a nutrition only offer but these are like what I consider one-off offers um, and then I have a couple people that like are close to me in certain ways and I know that they can't afford the services so I've created a way to like where basically they um, personally I'm like affiliated with a company that has an app where you can track your nutrition and there's like a there's workouts already in there for you but there's other ways you can do that like if you just create a blanket program um, and you say hey I'm not gonna give you one-on-one -on -one coaching but here's a price for like I'll give you a seven day meal plan um, quarterly and then I'll give you, you know, here's a workout program that you can follow for the quarter and maybe do like a quarterly price. But what I would say is that those need to be your one offs. Those need to be your like, okay, I really want to work with this person. I want to help them. I know I can and I'll create one off situations, but you want to have a core offer more than anything. <clears throat> You talking about the nutrition, how do you, th and getting back to what you said about strength coaches differentiating from personal trainers, how do you feel any strength coach, because I know you have, you know, the expertise in nutrition and you love it and that's part of the reason why you did everything that you did with us at Towson about it, <laughs> but any strength coach that might feel slighted like, oh, I wasn't allowed to talk about nutrition before, like, what's your advice to them when they start talking about nutrition and macros with clients now? Yeah, so um, I would obviously make sure that anything you have in place, like have your wording to remind your clients you're not a registered dietitian. You might not even be a nutritionist. So everything that you can and say, everything that you say is a suggestion, a guideline. It cannot be seen as a prescription. It can't be seen as a medical, um, as anything medical. Um, you can't offer advice for like um, vitamins and minerals so like you can suggest that somebody increases their iron intake but realistically like you shouldn't really be diving into that nitty type of nitty-gritty um, because like even as somebody who has their master's in nutrition like I don't even feel comfortable doing that so that's where you kind of like draw the line and you can you know show yourself show that you're have expertise in nutrition but like not dive into that um, and then when it comes to feeling slighted or anything like that I do believe that if you have the resources at your university to have a dietitian and you trust that dietitian, um, that's a great, that's great, right? Like, awesome. And you shouldn't step on their toes the same way they shouldn't step on yours. And that goes with athletic trainers. Like, we all need to work together in some capacity. But inside of your business, inside of your online business, they are no longer the authority. You are. So you have the ability to offer to your general population clients or your alumni clients, whatever level of service that you feel um, would benefit for them. And I mean, I would say obviously stay within your lane, like don't start 
offering macros or whatever or any of those types of things if you don't have like some sort of sense of it how do you also handle the duality that most strength coaches have the all right i'll just do it it's good for the team mindset with any clients that maybe like you said don't have the money or don't want to like how do you just handle that because i know from talking with other coaches that is something that they've had a, a tough time with yeah so when it comes to that like i just have like one-off offers like and i just because again those types of people that you're going to help out because they need it those are the type of people that are going to work for you right and at the end of the day like yes you're pouring a little bit of work into them that maybe they're not necessarily compensating you for but that's also marketing for you like if that person is working and they're getting results you're getting free content and free marketing from that person in some way shape or form right and the clients that can't afford it and get that one-on-one -on -one training like they're kind of making up that other side of your business where you can you are able to offer these like maybe less expensive offers but i would say don't don't get too gray in the sense where if you have a core offer and you're taking on clients uh, like maybe like to do um, a one-off program here or there don't offer the same levels of service like you do have to draw a line and it's not because you're trying to be a hard ass, but because like it's important for your core offer clients. It's <clears throat> a good point. Um, you talked about the fact that as a strength coach, we work lots of hours. How do you handle this extra workload with your clients? Is it just kind of in addition to, hey, the game's on or movie's on, you're just kind of programming, doing it that way? Or how do you handle that? And what's your advice to coaches that are looking to do this? Yeah, so at first, it was like a lot and I was just trying to figure it out and I was like, okay, well, Sunday's always been my check-in day, so this is what it's gonna be. And that led to me getting home from a Sunday night soccer game and doing check-ins until 11 p.m. and then having to get up and get to the courts the next day at six something in the morning. And so um, never be afraid to change your business model to continue to serve you and your clients. So what I did was, I kept check-ins on Sundays, but I've just told everybody they're getting feedback Monday night because for my schedule, um, Monday night makes the most sense for me. Like I get done work pretty early on Mondays, so I know I can go home, work out, and then do check-ins later um, or do it in the afternoon. But if everyone submits that the day before, even if I have time in the morning, I can do it then. Um, and typically I just like, I'm like, okay, well, I have X amount of clients. Check-ins usually take about X long per person, and I'll just block out a, a, a time grid so that I'm like, okay, well, this is what I'm gonna do on this day. And if you set yourself up like that, where you set up a time in your week to do it, you're not gonna feel overwhelmed for the rest of the week, right? And that goes for our jobs also. No, you're 100% right. It's You can batch it out if you do it that way, and that's really smart of to tell our, our coaches out there that are doing it, like, hey, have them submit it. It's almost like a kid submitting you know, homework to a professor. They don't have to, they can just batch out grading. You can batch that out in the same way that you might just batch out like, okay, I'm going to program for all my teams right here and there and then kind of work the process from there. That's, that's some good feedback right there. I think people are going to be able to take something um, really good from that. Yeah. I think planning your day is so vital in like the strength and conditioning world that like even when your day goes awry, if you have a plan, you can come up with a plan B. Um, 
But if you don't do that, like in our job, you're constantly going to be programming the day of a lift, right? Like we need to eliminate that. Stop it. <laughs> like, um, you know, we need to be able to accommodate for ourselves, for our family, for our um, additional business, whatever it is. Like, and if you create a program or a structure and, um, you know, process, like it'll take time to do, but it'll actually give you back so much more time than you ever thought before. <clears throat> Amen to that. I think that's a good spot to, to keep this one, wrap it up. Um, like I said, this is our kind of quick hitters, but we're going to have Kate on for a full cheeky midweeky later. And I'm not sure when everybody's going to be listening to this, but she is going to continue to provide some financial advice inside the network on fundraising in your department. So stay tuned for more great advice. Kate, where can people follow you? We're going to link it down below, but just let them all know now. Um, on Instagram, Coach Kate Correa. Um, is I don't I have a Twitter, but I don't tweet. So <laughs> it's called X now. Okay? Oh, that yeah, yeah. So you can see yeah. I'm not. <laughs> Megan even asked. She's like, "Is it called Xing nowadays? What is it?" I was just like, "You sound so old when you just said that." <laughs> yeah, I yeah. Who knows? I was I was like, "You might find me on there, but don't count on anything good." <laughs> Sounds good, Kate. You have a great rest of the day, and I'll talk with you later. Sounds good. Thanks.